I know I'm only on one day a week. I get it. I'm going to have to jump on uh, GarageBand and start sawing something together. This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, how? Did you mean something like this? This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. The House Parks Radio Program Mega Worldwide. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, welcome back to the show. Um, I was just looking at the the news that's coming out about the um, uh, the nine eleven call um, that happened after the shooting right. on the set of Rust, the yeah. Alec Baldwin movie about the assistant director um, get, handing him a a loaded gun, like uh, an actual gun, which is like uh, or with rounds in. It. I mean, there's still details to be coming out or whatever, yeah. but there was apparently it was not. Uh, it, it, it was completely clear at that moment that this did not have to happen, and the person who was in charge of handing him the prop, the right one to use for the shot did not. Um, that's that in and of itself is going to be horrifying, uh, and that's that's a lot where of things you, are going to change again. Yeah, for a time, because you would figure after the Brandon Lee thing, you would, and then the, you don't. Um, but and, that was and, what late eighties? Yeah, uh, no, nineties. That was the 90s? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and you know, um, we talked about this earlier, but John Eric Hexum was the the guy who shot himself on the set of, um, it was the it was a spy show about models who were oh, yeah. also he, spies. It was just like a gag? Like yeah. he just pointed the... He pointed at his own head and said, that maybe this time I won't miss. He was joking around and he fired it, not realizing that the wadding of those things comes out at the velocity of a bullet... Um, and it was right up against his head. I mean, it was there was no saving him. Um, uh, apparently, a uh, in Brandon Lee's case, there was a piece of a round like shell or something. Yeah, that it was. Um, it was like a crescent moon shaped. It had been stuck inside the barrel and did not even the gun that hit him wasn't even firing directly at him. It literally curved oh, and boy. struck him in the chest. Um, just, poor kid. just I mean, because that's also the thing is you're, you're like you're. There's a lot that they teach you, which is, you know, the the camera can hide a lot. You don't have to point a gun at somebody to make it look like you're pointing it at yeah. somebody at all. It doesn't even have to be close. You know, it's it's like you know fight scenes. Right. There's a um, there's a, a crossing of the line that you use in a lot of things that where somebody where there's like a string between the lens and the target that's going to be hit, and as long as the fist passes through that line. And the person moves at the right time, it will look like they were struck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All slow motion rocky shots aside, which is a whole other thing that you're doing. Yeah. Um, But the same thing is true with with guns. There's like there's no way you can tell the direction of the barrel within a, you know, a certain range of it visually at all. Nor I don't need to see it. No. Take your word for it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And um, and in situations where there's just lots of guns flying and blah, blah, like in a movie like Heat or if you're shooting something like Tombstone, these are different circumstances. The guns yeah. in Heat can be fake and have electrical charge making the muzzle flash. Mm. Um, they can be fake entirely. And what just, about like when you see the bullet holes following somebody? Are those just charges in the ground or is that CGI? Uh, yeah. In some cases, they're, uh, they're charges. 
in some cases they have a uh, like an air gun um, puncturing the glass from another angle. You'll see a lot of times when somebody runs past a ga- uh, like the glass on a car uh-huh. on the like the, yeah. the the windshield specifically. It'll look like something shooting straight down into it. Oh, I guess so. That's yeah. because they're behind the person or whatever, and instead of it following them for real and passing by them, and they w- could get hit if they slowed down or were out of sync with it, um, or could get hit with glass coming the other direction, they will they'll fire a pneumatic. Uh, like burst of air okay. into the glass, and you can see which direction it's coming from. It's why they don't use it as much anymore. And a lot of that can be CG now. It's just sure. not necessary. Yeah. It's so easy these days. So much of this can be solved digitally these days yeah. for nothing. Yeah. It, it is not even a circumstance anymore. Of where, not being able to afford. Like it doesn't take like no, um, and and especially, um, you know when you're talking about. What's what's the trade off in safety? What's the trade off in that? What are you getting for right. that ex, that yeah, expenditure? Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, right. That poor woman's child. It's not. Yeah, ne- it will never be worth it. No. That even the potential for that loss will never be worth it. No. And at a certain point, insurance uh, companies are going to start looking at that. And like I said, there's an entire industry. If somebody wants to start this thing up, of artificial guns that look real that are not guns that have been modified, but are just devices that expel a little bit of Light you know, or, light and smoke mm-hmm. out the front end and eject a cartridge, a fake empty cartridge that right. was never empty out the side or what have you. There's an industry to be made in that. Oh, um, sure. And it's a it's about time. Um, so and then, of course, we learned that Peter Scolari had passed from Bosom Buddies. Yeah, he when? passed away yesterday um, or day before. They announced it yesterday. Um, he, I believe he had had cancer and had been fighting he it for a while. He was more frail the last time I'd seen mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um, and a, and an absolutely sweet person. What a dude. Yeah. So um, there's this is one of those things where um, and and the, we have, this is a good example of we have enough problems without making any exactly. more. Exactly. Yeah. Life life has these kind of things. You cannot. You are not going to be able to sidestep all accidents. And car accidents and tidal waves and, and typhoons right. and cyclones and so earthquakes. So why storm and, into a bakery without a mask and a camera and, right. and ruin somebody's day? Exactly. Yeah. Why, why, is that, why is that a good expression of your and, – and why is that an example of your superiority uh, from a political standpoint or, or any other reason? When you could yeah. be sitting at home curing cancer is the argument you know, or right. coming up with your own better mousetrap unless, of course, you cannot – and it's all yeah. nonsense because, again, um, as as the I think yeah you were, I think I wrote this joke when we were in high school the mm-hmm. old uh, like master race oh yeah tell you what master reading and then get back to me you know was I, think, <laughs> I don't remember that yeah one. That, was, uh, one. that was when I was in high school I found an old notebook from high school that had a bunch of jokes in it a while oh, back I was like great. I have to show these to Johnny because it's a new Trier notebook oh wow and um, the the reality and I think uh, of the Trump fans is at some point they're going to have to recognize and i guess this is true of all politically active people but if you've got if you're gainfully employed and you have other stuff and you're this is also part of your activism that would be one thing but this idea that you know i don't know anybody on the hyper left that that pushes the whole like personally anyways the trump superiority complex the idea that i'm better than everybody else i know better than everybody else yeah. i know everything about this kind of stuff i know more about cancer than the yeah, cells do rare you know that kind of stuff <laughs> you know i know more about syphilis than you know my my team of doctors or whatever his argument is um n- none of that um 
you know, I don't I don't see a lot of that. There's a lot of people that think you should know better. There's a lot of that kind of projection. I right. hear that sometimes that you should know better, even though I don't know what I'm talking about. You should know better. Yeah. That, that's the extremity of that. But at the root of it isn't that if I just stayed home, I could fix all these problems on my own. I just don't feel like it because you guys yeah. are dumb, which is what you get from the <laughs> Trump world. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and, and the Trump supporters have this kind of um, the racial superiority uh, aspect of those crowd, like, yeah. the, you know, the, the Tucker Carlson's of the world somehow magically think because they're, they're they have magical whiteness that that any attack on um, on white supremacy is an attack on whiteness yeah. because they align normal white people with their beliefs about white supremacy. So you, you get dragged into their own racism and then you're the that. human shield because of your skin color that they use to defend their awfulness. Right. Oh, that's I mean, that's the yeah, Tucker yeah. methodology. That's that's how you you, know, you get, you know, that's where the white fragility, uh, you know, fear comes from is whatever yeah. is that they're using people who are just. Uh, on the road of being alive, who happen to be white as cover for the fact that what they really mean is, you know, they believe in the great uh, replacement theory. They believe in ra- yeah. racial superiority. And, and, and I'm speaking for all of them. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you're attacking them, if you're attacking Tucker Carlson for what he says or any or Nick Fuentes or any of those folks, you're attacking white people in general. Nick Fuentes? Yeah. He's one of the white supremacist guys who's always showing up at these oh. events and oh, stuff. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, like, like Charlie Kirk and the, that crowd. Um, so... Um, it's it's to me anyways it's a it's a fascinating dichotomy between you know the extremists of both parties and what it really boils down to is that there are certain ones uh, you know on the left where the extremism exists there's some mild harm or fear of harm on the right there's some genuine like storm the castle string yeah. them up hang my pence craziness yeah. that isn't in any way even as a as a point of balance, um, do we have? Let's see, we got a yeah. Oh, oh look, we got, look at this. We got Steve from the Gold Coast. I don't. I want to, but we're getting close. Can we take a break early mm-hmm. and we'll come back and we'll take a couple of calls in our in our final little segment uh, as well. And um and, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back right after this. This is the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCBT. Welcome back to the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. I am happy, you are happy. Let us be happy together. Whether the weather is cloudy or sunny, I will always be a funny honey bunny. I am lucky, you are lucky. Let us get lucky together. Whether the weather is cloudy or breezy, I'll be there to say, hey, come on, let's take it easy. Because isn't it nice to have the friends that you do? And isn't it nice that the sky is so blue? And isn't it nice to say I love you? Chugga, chugga, choo, choo, woo. I am smiling, you are smiling, let us smile together, whether the weather is cloudy or stormy, I will still be there in the morning, I'll be right by your side in the morning, I'll make you breakfast in the morning, I hope that you like cereal. Yay! That was actually recorded right here in this studio, that, that so version crazy. of it, when we had uh, when we had Garfunkel and Oates they were both in, in studio, here? yeah. Yeah, because so they were neat. doing a show and we were helping them promote and whatever, and we'd used that before. And then she decided to do it live for us, wow. which was really sweet. It was really nice. It was good. Um, and our, our, I mean, we kind of have an extended happy ending today just because we're in studio. Yeah. It's just nice to be here with you, buddy. I, I, it, it's really nice. It's just a good thing. Don't touch my knee. Weird. <laughs> this is radio, not television. Hans, Booby, what's with the gun? This is radio, not television. Um, 
Lewis, tell him I don't know you. All right. I was very glad you could see that on the stream. Yes, right. Absolutely. Um, so, all right. Uh, and part of the happy ending, of course, is that we both get to uh, talk to Steve from the Gold Coast. He's on line one. Um, it's nice to be able to even see who's on the yeah. line when I do that. Hey, hey, Steve, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for taking my call. And uh, just as an aside, uh, I, I think that the entertainment industry is under a lot of pressure with regard to these sort of action, gun-oriented films, uh, in that, you know, the, the moment you release a new film, there's going to be 200 channels on YouTube that are going to dissect every little bit of it. So they're, they're really yeah. pushing for realism. But unfortunately, the downside of that is that you're, you're also going to create a lot of danger on set. And you, uh, you two mm-hmm. and myself, we came of age in the 1980s. Yeah. When, you know, you, you had people like uh, Sly and Schwarzenegger running around with an M60 shooting it with one arm. And the bad guys running around with a 50 cal. That's like a cast iron pan right. in, your, in your holster. You know, and so today's got, uh, guns and gun play is much more realistic. But again, it leads to a lot of danger because, you know, they want to make it look as realistic as possible. So, But having said that, um, I, I also think that, you know, you, you touched on an important point early on with regard to uh, uh, what, the, what the right in this country wants to protest. I, I, would, I would appreciate a good debate, but at least get the essence of the debate right. right Nobody yeah. is teaching your ninth grader critical race theory. Right. All right. This is even as an undergraduate, you you would be challenged to find a class that actually touches on that. It's a graduate level slash law school class, and in terms of the scholarship, and so what what they've done is they're conflating a lot of other things and then just calling it critical race theory. And and don't get me wrong, I think things like the sixteen nineteen project. I think we're noble in its conception, but I take issue with a lot of what's in the 1619 project, right. including uh, a lot of progressives, uh, historians and scholars uh, do as well. So right. uh, I think we can have that debate. But what, what they want to do is simply, you know, lump everything together and just call it some sort of exercise in, in anti-white, anti-European Marxist, you know, identity <laughs> right. politics. And we should just be opposed to all of it. You know, and don't worry about actually looking uh, looking it up, researching it. No, it's just bad, and this is where it comes from. Well, and also there's so, this yeah, – you, you create this false uh, um, parallel where – if I if I create this sort of straw man beast, this burning man, wicker man, crazy character that uh, then that is associated with uh, my own extreme, blown out, insane version of what someone else is saying. So you take something the left is saying right. that might be you know down the road a little further than the average person, and then you blow it up into something extraordinary. That's that's a common. Uh, technique people use. The difference is that the right often takes that and then overlays it on everything else to make it the same. That this is that. That that um, teaching people, um, you know, how to uh, properly deal with or address uh, trans people in the workplace because there's a shifting dynamic going on in society is indeed the total destruction of gender and and the burning down of women's sports in every possible way. Yeah. Right? And whenever they. Or HR stuff and like that not being sexist in the workplace, you know, is is somehow damaging to the family unit. Right. Yes, and I would argue that it serves a twofold purpose, and that on the one hand, it seeks to discredit a legitimate scholarship, but on the other hand, it also gives you a way to rationalize your lack of willingness to pursue higher education, because if, if, unless you've been asleep for the last 15, 20 years, you know, the right is pretty much indicting the whole notion of higher education. Right. It's some sort of left-wing indoctrination system, so therefore, if you decided to drop out of school when you were in the 10th grade, good for you, because you didn't miss out on anything. Yeah. <laughs> it makes a lot of people feel better about themselves. 
But in reality, we all know that that's absurd in the 21st century in a global economy. Right. And and even still, like they've been pushing this anti-public school thing for a long time. So uh, just because they, they don't believe the government can or should or would be able to do anything right. And they've extended to them. That means that universal pre-K, which is just making sure the kids uh, both have, you know, while their parents are working, have someplace constructive and safe to be mm-hmm. where they will get uh, fed and taught the ABCs earlier than they might otherwise, giving them that head start that allows their brain to become fertile for learning greater thought later. Um, and the extension of two extra years of essentially high school if you need it, meaning community college, because that's exactly what that is. It's basically taking the AP programs you would have taken in high school, externalizing them to another place, and then paying for them uh, if you so choose, along with vocational training or something along those lines, is an extension of the public school indoctrination fear that they have in all these circumstances, right? That's the that's that's the monster that they, they want everybody to fear, right? Yeah. That, that has right. to be yeah, it. Sorry, I and we should, on the left, we should turn it against them and say, you know what, okay, so you, you want to deny a woman the right to choose, i.e. Texas, so then well, let's by all means then provide her with the resources to help her raise that child. Let's right. Help her, let's fund that, that, that effort, because according to you, that child needs to be born, you know, needs to come to full term, and whether she gives it up for adoption or raises it for, uh, on her own, well, then isn't the logical extension of that, then we should help her. But obviously the right doesn't have any desire to help anyone beyond the time no. of the born. Well, that's a, you know, and this goes there. There, I will say, and I'm glad you brought this up, and then I want to uh, grab our other caller real quick. But the um, there is a, a, a rift going on in the right wing mm-hmm. um, over just these things that they do. Many of them do recognize that that two years of community college does also equal vocational training, which is the first sort of recognition that blue collar jobs are getting some recognition within the, um, you know, within the Democratic Party. And that's scaring them a little bit and they can't be against it because later on it will, you know, it will come back to bite them in those regards. And the same thing is true of the pre-K stuff, because they are they're always telling people to bootstrap and get themselves to work and blah, blah, blah. And one of the arguments is, well, I can't because I don't have any place, you know, daycare costs more than I've got. And I can't, you know, I'm trading off this situation. I can't get out of welfare because I, you know, I, I there's nowhere that they can go in my area or whatever. But this universal pre-K, the availability of it in all areas, which is literally what it would mean, would give them this opportunity. And then they wouldn't have the excuse anymore. But the excuse, whether they really had it or not, that's another conversation. Mm -hmm. But the illusion of that excuse would no longer exist. I get to be the victim. Right, exactly. And they can't say those people are, you know, using that as a reason to be victims anymore because the excuse doesn't exist anymore. And, And then it puts the responsibility squarely on the shoulders of the person who is or is not taking advantage of a program that's available to everybody um, across the board. Uh, that uh, all means testing conversation. Let's grab our next caller. Appreciate it, Steve. Um, Heather. Who do we have? Heather in Michigan. Hi, hi, Heather. Hi. Um, I watch your show on Facebook. Yay. I've commented. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, okay, I'm a first-time caller, but... Uh-huh quite a listener. Uh-huh. Anyway, it's good to see you at WCPT. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Keep doing it. Thanks. I appreciate that. And it's and I appreciate you calling in and stuff. And I know it's sometimes it's hard for people to kind of start saying their two cents in things. And I would encourage you to just feel safe to do that. Certainly on my show, it's a safe place to, to do that. And I think 
the you know my audience, especially the folks that join us in the chat, um, including our trolls, who again we 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 love we and we appreciate. We want to thank the trolls uh, for um, uh, recognizing, making the algorithm recognize that we have an engaging show. Um, <laughs> but um, I hope I hope that over time, it you know you feel better about engaging from a position of you know of of strength and POV that you may not have had before. That that would be. Um, a really lovely thing. So I appreciate the call. Thanks. Thanks. Have yeah. A great day. Absolutely. I will. Um, we got a show tonight. You know, in Madison at the at the Barrymore. It's uh, me and Steph and John Fugel sang and Frangela doing some of the the sexy liberal comedy. Our only yeah. show this year, and then we got more dates starting up. You know, we had shows booked, yeah. and then the lockdown happened and blew everything out of the water. This is our first time back, and of course, the Barrymore is where we launched the original tour. Oh wow! So we're we're going it's we're going back home again. We have uh, yeah, we got a couple minutes. Let me uh, grab yeah. uh, what about Peter. Peter. Yeah. Peter, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, well, I read um, that you know, it's terrible what happened on that movie set in New Mexico, but mm-hmm. I also read that three of the staff of that set had walked off the job due to lack of safety oh, no. the day before. Did you read that? Yeah, well, there's there, there are two incidents where they were where they were concerned about the guns being used on the set and the AD that was in charge of them or whether or not they had a a proper prop master and that kind of stuff. More of that is coming out um, over time, and more of it will, because you don't have an accident like this without those kind of laps happening. I also, I also read that isn't there a strike, and that these they were hiring scabs and no, no, no. There's no strike right now. No, the the and everybody, even when there's a strike, um, the productions that are currently going. Um, that either shows that haven't started a new episode or films that haven't started, those folks, uh, you'll stay on until the project's finished. Nobody, they don't just drop their gear and leave. So, and especially in this, this was an indie film. Yeah. Uh, they were shooting in, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. This would be one of the problems, by the way, and I don't know that this is the case in here, but it's been a concern of mine for a long time that uh, when sh- when shooting in Georgia and North Carolina, these places where they have right to work, where they are basically anti-union in what they do anyways you do get people filling in in jobs that are a little over their head yeah. or you know or they don't have a proper ladder up you know so that people aren't learning the job that they're going to be going into and in the case of this uh first ad this might be you know part of that possibility again we don't know quite yet right. but again these are you know indie films scrap together and are difficult to put together and you have a lot of people sort of pulling extra weight all the time, and that and when it comes to stuff like this, where they're dangerous, where they you know car accidents, uh, when they're doing stunts and the like, you know, there's a reason why bigger productions, why you go to the movies to see these bigger things, is because when you do them on the cheap, they're very dangerous. Yeah, and like I don't know, like I said. Mm-hmm. If three if three people walked off the set the day before, then they because of lack of safety, and then they continued shooting. That that to me that rings an alarm. Well, we'll see if that's true. Yeah, yeah, if that yeah that indeed turns out to be the case, and and who was informed of it, and why, and I mean because there's dozens well, of reasons. Alex, yeah, Alex, yeah. Alec Baldwin is the producer. He's he's, he's the executive producer. Yeah, he's he's not a he's not a there there are layers of it. He's basically financing it. He's an right. actor in it, and he's giving some of the money on an independent film like that. You'll find that that happens a lot of times. That if you get a big name, it's usually them you know investing in it, yeah. investing in it because Believing they want to be in, in the project or help yeah. somebody get started. Let, so that, that we're one, go ahead real quick. We got about twenty seconds. One last thing is that 
why why was these the gun even aimed at anybody from number one and number two not even another was in the movie it's well like, uh, because they were shooting off axis on a on a dramatic scene and the cinematographer was next to the camera probably behind plexiglass the problem was it turned out to be real bullets right it seems to so that's why um that's not that uncommon either and that's you know but there's got to be better ways to handle that and there are now by the way there are there's lots of ways you can handle that now and hopefully that'll be a turning point it's just a terrible tra- tragedy anyways right. uh thanks for the call appreciate it thanks everybody for listening today thanks for joining us um, we'll see you guys, uh, those, those of you that are seeing us at the Barramar, we'll see you later on. And thanks, everybody, in Chicago and at CPT for having me in studio today. It was lovely. And Johnny Mel, you know, you're wonderful. Hey. Okay, bye. American.